Well, our moms think we're funny. So, uh, well, we're recording, so I don't know what our podcast topic should be. Uh, so, actually, uh, I had something. Uh, okay. I, don't know, I was, I, you know, was keeping a note of like podcast topics and stuff like that. See, I and used to, and I just haven't added to it in ages. I'm trying to. Um, and um, for some reason, I put it in, and it duplicated the note. Which I don't know why I did that. I'm like, okay, that's weird, but all right. But now I'm afraid of like deleting one of the duplicates because it created like right. two additional. So I have three of the same note, and I'm like, I don't want to delete it because it's like an ongoing like thread. Right. Or, uh, so if I did that, it might decide, oh, oh yeah, I'm gonna go and delete them all because you don't want this, right? Uh, anyway, um. So, uh, we were talking about, or we kind of talked, there's a couple of different things we're going to talk about. And I think we've got a lot of superhero topics that we, that we need to discuss, that we've been trying to discuss. Um, yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, so, uh, I was going to say, um, uh, we've got one that we were, that we're working on right now to talk about in the future, which is a, um, superhero team, uh, superhero versus matches with, uh, the aliens, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the aliens movie aliens um and then the predator movie uh uh predators uh, mm-hmm. pre- aliens sorry yeah. uh, i'm all over the place this morning uh but uh because uh, as we talked about and we'll mention again we actually do the podcast is that uh you know batman is teamed up or not teamed up but he's fought the predator mm-hmm. and i think three different times the three different like miniseries he's fought alien um superman's fought uh the predator and he's fought the uh, alien as well um, and, uh, so I was like, you know, what, who else would be kind of a good, you know, good yeah. match, match that we'd like to see. <clears throat> yeah. So, you know, we're kind of thinking that through and we'll do a podcast on that, but kind of what I was thinking about that, it reminded me of an idea I had for a, uh, a Batman, Superman and, uh, Star Wars crossover. Okay. So the X-Men have actually crossed over with, uh, uh, Star Trek. Okay. And that was actually a pretty good one, as I remember it. And it was drawn by Mark Silvestri. Uh, Green Lantern crossed over with Star Trek um, like a couple years back, uh, DC. So I was, I was like, hmm. Uh, so I had this idea of uh, this Batman Superman crossover. And I, I really liked it a lot. And I mean, maybe it's one day I'll something I'll write up as a fan fiction. But you know how I feel about fan fiction. It's, right. It's, unless it's thing really that I, a story I really want to tell, I don't really see the need in wasting it. You know, a good idea and wasting my time on something that will that doesn't really serve a purpose right as far as like it's nothing i can publish or i can post it but you know it, it I mean, could for be me it's like why, why would i even bother writing it if i can't make my two favorite characters fuck but hey, that's just me right well i mean <laughs> well i mean you can do like a, a batman and princess leia or, or superman and han solo <laughs> <laughs> superman and chewbacca what do you take me for i'm not some plebe <laughs> I know you feel about furries. <laughs> uh, so, but, you know, but, but why? And then even if I did post it, you know, if someone got a big enough hair up their ass, they could just be like, you can't post that or whatever, <laughs> even though I'm not making any money. Have a Superman when you post <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Superman was like, oh, oh, oh. That'd be horrible. <laughs> then Batman says... Clark, why do you have such a hair up your ass? He says, no reason. <laughs> no reason at all. And when it's all done, I want you to say, what a lovely glass of blue milk. <laughs> all right, so, uh, so anyway, so the, the idea I had for this, um, yeah, I said maybe one day I will if I don't have anything better to do or if I get something like a really good um, 
like a better like an additional like scene or something like that for it. But like, oh right, yes, okay, yeah, now I feel like doing this. Um, but the the, the story starts off with you know Batman, Superman on, or sorry, it's Batman on the Watchtower, and something hits the moon. And it was like a, a something like kind of appears out of uh, from nowhere. It's not like a like an incoming cub, like a object that's kind of flowing through space. It just kind of appears out of nowhere and so just slams into the moon. It's Doctor Eggman blowing up half of the moon. Oh, did Doctor Eggman do that? Yeah, Sonic Adventure Two. Oh, dude, I, you know I, I don't follow Sonic. Yeah, man, he went aboard the space station Ark and used the Chaos Emeralds to blow up half the moon. Oh, okay. Uh, no, I did not know that. No, the Klingons blew up half their moon. Well, wow. um, <laughs> but uh, and that's what made them have to join the Federation. Um, so, so it's something to the moon. They go out there and investigate, and they find an old, battered. It's just, just a battered mother box. Hmm. So Batman is examining a mother box, and he gets, um, and he ends up kind of. They're able to get some information from it, right? And uh, and so from the information they get from it, they realize that uh, there's, a, there's a, a message in there that says that Krypton was destroyed. Hmm. And it didn't it didn't um, like explode because the uh, the core you know went critical or you know, the planet or whatever. It was actually destroyed by like another race. And something I'm so. He, Superman finds out, uh, Batman tells Superman, and they decide they're going to investigate, and they end up hooking the mother box up to a uh, to a spaceship, and because the, the mother box can teleport, and that's actually how it got there. It, wherever it was, it teleported and slammed into the moon. So they use it to teleport um, to teleport to where this thing was. It actually kind of takes them back in time. Right. To wherever this thing happened. And basically, as it comes down to it, the uh, they find out that through the information they're gathering is that this alien race was building this giant planet destroying um, like weapon, which is the Death Star. Hmm. And they Krypton being this planet of, you know, like scientists and that kind of stuff. There was this uh, basically this kind of intergalactic civil war that was going on. And some of the rebels were hiding out on Krypton. Right. And so in order to destroy the rebels, the uh, this giant giant plant destroying ship or just, you know, I'm talking about from their perspective, but the Death Star blows up Krypton. So that's actually what destroyed (laughs) Krypton was the Death Star. I like it uh, to kill the to kill the rebels. So they go there to kind of figure out, go to figure out what's going on. And they're going to different places. So Batman says, I'm going to there's this planet, this uh, desert planet called Tatooine. And he's I'm going to go there and investigate. Uh, and he's like, send Superman to Coruscant. Superman's like, um, no, I want to go there. He's like, no, you go here to this place and you go investigate there. I'm going to check this place out. Right, right. And he's very adamant about that. So they go to their different That's places. The two sons, right? Well, I'm getting to that, but thank you for, <laughs> for, for ruining that. So, um, so Batman goes down there and he ends up encountering like some bounty hunters okay. and ends up fighting them. But to get a little bit of information for him, I'm going to tie this all up real quick. Superman goes and he ends up encountering Darth Vader and it's not a really good fight for him. Because plus he's the force he's, would penetrate his resistance to magic, right? Right. Okay. Uh, plus you know, plus he's also he's been away from the uh from the yellow sun of earth too. Oh yeah. So he's he's losing some power and <laughs> uh, so Batman ends up going and rescuing Superman from Coruscant because he's been injured 
and uh, and they're healing and everything, everything just kind of really kind of comes to a head. At one point, um, Superman is fighting a um, is uh, Correction, Batman, not Superman. 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 Fighting like a, a bounty hunter and he reaches for like a lightsaber because they're fighting on the ship and you know things are exploding and stuff and he's reaching for this lightsaber and he's reaching to grab it and then the lightsaber like shoots across the floor and into his hand <laughs> and there's this whole thing because batman knows a little bit about what's going on here that he hasn't really told superman because when he was doing his whole uh like journeying around the world like learning what he could about all different things right that he went in in like these like mountains and like the himalayas or whatever there was uh this being that that some people had kind of worshipped almost like a uh like a monk or or like the dalai lama kind of thing and it was rumored that this person came from beyond the stars right right and so what it is that there was a jedi that had kind of either lost his way or something ended up traveling to earth and landed there and basically taught people the way of the Jedi hmm. and the Force. Yeah. And so Batman learned from either one of those people, and it could have technically been this guy, but, you know, this is supposed to be centuries ago that this happened. Right, right. Or uh, that uh, he knows, like, the fighting techniques. He knows about that and the whole spiritualism and mysticism of that. Right. So when Batman is... Uh, so he's familiar with that, and that's also one of the reasons why he wanted to go to Tatooine as opposed to, uh, you know, go to Coruscant. Um, and as he's reaching for this, there's, there's this, uh, this like, he knows the way of the Force, and so he kind of summons the lightsaber to his hand. But the ship is also, like, explosions, and it's rocking back and forth. Right. So when that happens, it ship kind of, like, kind of tilts and jumps, and it could just be that it just slid into his hand. So it's right, kind of right. leaving ambiguous there. But you get Batman with a lightsaber fighting, kind of like we saw in the Bat and Sun video with yeah, him versus yeah. Vader. Yeah, super-powered beatdown. Right. So um, so when he gets Superman, uh, they get him on the ship, and at one point, because Superman is, is, is uh, hurt, they he takes him, they fly back over to Tatooine, and he puts him in this kind of an observation deck area, and they open the shields up and basically just bathe Superman in the twin sons of Tatooine, which nice. is why he didn't want him to go there right, because he'd right. be so powerful. And it'd be too much power really that he's not used to controlling. Right. But because he's hurt and because of everything that's going on, 
he uh batman's like he exposed him to that and it heals superman and just makes him just mad on powerful yeah so that he takes on vader um but you find out in the end though that krypton blew up on its own it had nothing to do with them <laughs> there uh there were rumors of rebels hiding out on krypton and they died when krypton uh exploded yeah. but the death star never attacked them nice, it never had nice. anything to do with it so krypton still just blew up on its own <laughs> And, uh, and they kind of find out what happened. That's really what they came there for was to find out who was really responsible, if there was someone else responsible, and there wasn't. And then they leave, but they get this whole Star Wars adventure with bounty hunters and stormtroopers and Darth Vader, nice. and then Superman with two, you know, with the power of, uh, of the twin sons of Tatooine. Yeah, I like it. So I thought that'd be a really cool story. Yeah, that and, would be but fun. I so again, I no one's paying me to write this, and I didn't really <laughs> have anything else to go up on except for this kind of like premise of that. And I was like, that'd be kind of awesome. Yeah. It's not a non-canon story and just toss it out there. Yeah. So, um, so that leads me into, um, you know, superheroes and talk. So in this case, we're talking about, um, Star Wars and comic books and all that. Mm -hmm. And it's leading me to this discussion that you and I kind of talked about having, um, about Martin Scorsese and his comment that he made about superhero movies. Okay, that's the one we're talking about. Yeah, and then recently Jodie Foster also <clears throat> made a comment about that. Yeah, and should should we give an introduction? <laughs> should we? We're we're like eleven minutes in. You know who we are, people. Yeah, you know us. You know what this friggin' podcast is called. Grow yeah. up. Okay, that's introduction. the introduction. Yeah, that's the introduction. Yeah. <laughs> should we be formal and pretend like we're professionals? No, we're halfway through. We. <laughs> I don't think 11 minutes is halfway through. Yeah. 11 is half a 60. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I told you, man, you cannot use the Terrence Howard math book <laughs> to learn math. Use a Kalevin, get you home by seven. <laughs> oh. That was the last episode of The Office. What? Um, Kevin is one of the guys in accounting, and he's just dumb as a post. And so, like, in the very last episode, they wind up firing him. So they bring in a new accountant in the last episode, and she, like, comes in. She's like, guys, I keep seeing this weird symbol on all of your accounting paperwork. And they're like, yeah, that's a Kalevin. And then she's like, what? And he's like, that's a number that Kevin made up anytime there was a discrepancy in his paperwork. Anytime there was a, there was a mess up in the math, he would just put down a Kalevin and put the correct sum down. And he always said, use a Kalevin, get you home by seven. So... <laughs> Wow, so, so their accounting is all messed up. Oh, yeah. It's great because, like, you, you spend, like, the, all nine seasons wondering why they never fire Kevin. And so they fire him in the last episode. And everyone's like, you can't do that. And he's like, give me one good reason. Why not? And everybody raises their hands. And he's like, no, I mean, give me one good reason based off of his merits as an employee. And everybody lowers their hands. He's like, okay, this is why we're firing Kevin. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so I do want to start off with this by saying, you know, on our, our topic here is that as a, as a, uh, lover of movies, yeah. as a lover of movies, and I am quite the fan of, uh, of Jodie Foster and of Martin Scorsese. Uh, yeah. And I'm going to get into like all the merits of Martin Scorsese in a minute. Yeah. I thought he was and, great on Cheers. Um, I think we're thinking about a different guy. <laughs> Charlton Heston? What? What? 
Do we need to start this over again? <laughs> no, I'm just... You're, you're like collevening this whole <laughs> podcast. I'm just saying random shit. You, you're usually you're usually quicker on your feet than this to, to just realize that I'm being a jackass. <laughs> I'm sorry, I thought we were doing a serious podcast this time. I didn't know we were doing a jackass podcast, so... Uh, uh, no, but seriously. Um, Everything I do is a jackass podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, this, this is exactly why I'm studying Wicca, right? Because I'm going to find Charles Schultz's grave. I'm going to use my Wiccan powers to bring him back to life. And I'm going to have a true partner and everything. <laughs> He'll just keep pulling the football out from under you. That's fine. At least it'll be funny. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I can't watch Dan Gardace anymore. I thought this was going to be so much better than it is. But and this is absolutely horrible. We've been watching this for like, for like 20 minutes. And boy, that cigar looks like he's got a roach hanging out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah. And... And, like, there's nothing happening. I realize this is the first episode, but there's nothing happening. It's pretty slow-paced. Yeah. I do like the art style, though. Yeah, it's, yes, it's old-school, like, you know, anime. All right, yeah, I'll, I'll give it, like, two episodes. Two sure. episodes, and then and then I'm done. And, that's, and the perspectives on these shots are, like, everything's, like, out of... It's a wonky. It, it is low budget. But yeah, so uh, Martin Scorsese. Okay, so I have a lot of respect for Martin Scorsese. As a filmmaker, as a film lover, uh, I have a lot of respect for him. Mm-hmm. So I just want to make that clear, like, you know, <clears throat> off the bat. And, <laughs> Before we just go off on him. <laughs> well, I'm not going to go off on him. I will. Um, so, okay. So let's, let's go ahead and just get into this part. Uh, Scorsese uh, is one of these guys who is a filmmaker through and through. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, if you go back and watch that Steven Spielberg documentary, and they, uh, you know, talks about him and Spielberg and Lucas and De Palma and all of them, you know, kind of all just being pals and buddies and stuff. Yeah. But if you go back to, like, Scorsese's stuff, he's made some movies that are not that great. But one of the things he, he always, I don't like say goes back to, but he's he makes, um, he makes his kind of, like, you know, Italian gangster movies and stuff, and he you know, he's done those for you know, for a long time. You know, uh, Mean Streets and um, see, I, I hate when I'm drawn up like you know. Uh, I guess you consider Gangs in New York like an early one of that. Was um, that a Scorsese film? Yeah. Was that a Scorsese film? Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, Goodfellas. You know, I mean, he does this, and of course, he's got The Irishman. Uh, a, but because it's a world he knows, yeah. But yeah. he doesn't stick just with that. One of my favorite Scorsese movies um, is The Aviator with DiCaprio. The Aviator mm-hmm. is fantastic. Wolf of Wall Street is fantastic. I still haven't watched Wolf of Wall Street. Oh man, Wolf of Wall Street is really good. <clears throat> um, he did that movie with uh, was it Brad Pitt, the Dalai Lama movie? Um, was it Seven Years in Tibet? I mean, so he he makes movies. He and he doesn't always just stick with. Um, with you know like one thing is like oh this is what i do and i'm just going to continue to do that but he knows that world and if there's a you know chance to make a a good movie about that world Mm -hmm. or explore something different he will yeah yeah he also watches a shit ton of movies if you've ever seen any kind of like like documentary with him or any kind of interview he watches movies like foreign films and everything he just he devours movies and filmmakers and genres so it kind of it kind of hurt me a little bit for someone who I see as being such a movie connoisseur, uh, and not just American films, but all over. You know, mm-hmm. and just going back to you know silent films or whatever, and just to have that much movie knowledge to make a comment like that about superhero movies. And I'm like, but, well, I guess we should elaborate on what he said because we haven't actually said okay. what 
his statement was. So, um, I, I, yeah, you're right. Cause, uh, I was kind of going off the fact that, you know, we were, we're, um, people are going to be aware of kind of this whole thing. So, um, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and pull up his actual statement about, about superhero movies. Sure. And I guess I should have done that early on, but again, I wasn't, uh, thinking about it. Um, but while I'm doing that, what do you, what do you have to say? Uh, I, I feel like I feel like we kind of need to contextualize it, but uh, from what I recall about your statement, as far as what he said, I'll, I'll just I'll just make it clear going into it. I don't agree with what he says, um, and I can I can elaborate on the reasons for that and like debate the merits of it um, once we actually get into it. But okay. now, and granted, I'm not coming into this quite as invested in Scorsese as you are. Um, I haven't seen as many of his films. I, I understand, based off of his reputation, that he is a very competent director. But uh, I, I don't think this hit home quite as close to me as it did to you. Because, uh, essentially, what my reaction was was to just go, No, that's bullshit. <laughs> and that was pretty much the end of it for me, you know? Uh, wait, so, as as someone that, that loves cinema the way I do and, and I'm, I'm nowhere along his caliber. I don't watch a lot of foreign films. Something really has to catch my attention. Uh, and there's a lot of films where I've been like, I have no interest in this and I'll end up like watching it and loving it. And sometimes there's something that I'm might be just flipping through a channel someday and just come across something and it'll be enough to, 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 like I said, to draw me in. Right. And then I'm right. like, okay, wow, that's pretty interesting. Or sometimes I've just been like, you know, no, this, this really kind of sucks. Right. Um, and you know, and you know, we we do our less watches of bad movies yes. that we recognize are bad movies. And I also know I have some bad movies that I love to death. I know they're bad movies, and I'm like, this is my guilty pleasure. Mm-hmm. I love this movie. It's horrible, you know. And, and I would only recommend it, you know, in a certain like vein. Uh, but but I do love this movie, and I recognize that it is not a good movie. Yeah, that's yeah. how I feel about Wicker Man, the the new one. Uh, yeah, the one with Nick Cage. Yeah. I mean, I fucking love Wicker Man. I love Wicker Man. And anytime if you know if it's gonna be like my decision to pick a movie amongst people, then of course I'm gonna go for Wicker Man yeah. or something like that. I mean, like, but yeah, I recognize that you know, it's it's schlock. It's a bad film. It's objectively got a lot of problems in the writing and the scripting. But I, I love the movie. So this is from a Vox article uh, from uh, November of 2019, and I'm gonna try not to read the whole thing. <laughs> That's us staying topical. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we, we kept we kept kind of putting this one off. We did, yeah. Kind of had to find our center. So, um, so it says here that the director's a quote. Um, I don't think that there's cinema. Talking about Marvel movies. Director wrote an op-ed for New York Times on November fourth, voicing his disdain for Disney superhero blockbusters. I was asked a question about Marvel movies. I answered it. I said that I've tried to watch a few of them and that they're not for me that they seem to me to be closer to theme parks than they are movies as I've known and loved them throughout my life. The New York Times piece was Scorsese expanding upon an interview with Empire in October where he first commented on Marvel, the director of The Irishman, um, as well as critically uh, heralded classics like Taxi Driver and Goodfellas, ignited discussion about Marvel movies that have seen other famed directors criticize them. Francis Ford Coppola, for instance, called the franchise despicable. I like Coppola, but Coppola is... I like Coppola a lot, but I don't I don't see him as being like a he's a great filmmaker, mm-hmm. but I don't see him as being, you know, a such a film connoisseur in the same way of Martin Scorsese. So if he's like, I don't really like these movies, I'm like, okay. But 
because I just see you as being a filmmaker and you make these these movies and you may like movies, but you would like movies in the same way that, that Okomi and I like movies. Right. I treat Martin Scorsese differently because because of how he's like, movies are my life. Right. And, um, I don't just like them, you know, I, you know, I just absorb them. Right, right. So Coppola's comments and everything don't phase me one way or the other. So he's like, like the okay. food critic from Ratatouille. <laughs> I don't like food. I love food. <laughs> and so for Coppola, I'm just like, that's just like your opinion, man. Um, and it's not going to change how I feel about him or his movies in, in any way at all. Right, right. Um, so, given that there are countless fans of Marvel movies, blah, 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 cut, 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 cut. Defense of the Marvel franchise immediately follows Scorsese's thing, uh, his statement. Uh, makers like Taika Waititi, James Gunn, um, tried to explain that the way Coppola and Scorsese see Marvel movies is how their movies were treated by the generation's directors before them. And I don't really see that in the same way. That's not my take on it. Um... Corsese's comments reached uh, Marvel chief uh, Kevin Feige, who responded and said, I think it's unfortunate. I think myself and everyone who works on these movies loves cinema, loves movies, loves going to the movies, loves to watch a communal experience in a movie theater full of people. I can tell you right now, I haven't been, I haven't really been to the movie theater in so long. Mm -hmm. It's because the last couple of times I went there, it was not a communal experience. It was me with a bunch of people that are trying to escape the heat or just (laughs) looking for some way to kill time and they won't shut the fuck up they yeah. won't watch a movie they won't be silent they the, won't turn off their phones and i swear to god yeah. i want to kill a motherfucker yeah and i hate saying that after the whole batman thing right <laughs> but i swear but and this is not to sound um uh, uh blasphemous but a movie theater is like my church it's like my second church right right, right. i guess it's kind of like my first church because i really don't go to church anymore not that i don't believe in god it's a totally different subject but right, i just right. don't go to church anymore yeah um but movie theater is like my church you come in there you watch the movie you shut the fuck up yeah you can talk you if you want show to some respect right um but when but when the previews start you zip the fuck up if you need to say something you can whisper if you don't know how to whisper then you just need to learn how to speak telepathically yeah but you shut the fuck up and you stay silent until the movie's over. Yeah, it's it's very rare that I see movies in theaters, but, I mean, a, a very large portion of the last, I don't know, four or five times I've been, there, there has not been that communal experience. It's been people with just their heads up their asses. Because, I mean, I, I talked, you know, a couple years back when I saw It in theaters, and there were people who were, like, running their mouths the whole time, and finally about three-quarters of the way through the movie... That guy just like stood up behind us and was like, "Would you shut the fuck up? You've been talking the entire movie," and like, I mean, it's it's that kind of thing. Yeah. That's that's more the norm for my experience. And like when we went to see Fight Club at uh, yeah at, the, at the, the local theater at the local theater, yeah. And like you know that I mean I've I've said multiple times you know watching Fight Club is a very spiritual experience for me. It's a very integral part of how I start my year basically. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, we had to walk out, you know, within the first two minutes because this entire row of college kids just wouldn't shut the fuck up. Yeah. And it, and it's just banal shit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, are you here to watch the movie? I'm so sorry that your lives are so boring. You don't have anything else to fucking do on a Friday night or whatever. Yeah. And like, right? no, they weren't even saying anything that was like significant. It was just like, is this an old movie? Yeah. And then I'm, like, I'm what like, the fuck do you think? Just watch the goddamn thing. Why did you come here? Seriously. I was like, oh, that was probably the maddest I've ever seen you, which is saying something because I've seen you livid at times. But yeah, I'm I'm not proud of those moments. (laughs) But uh, well, no, I mean, I'm not. I wasn't trying to like call you out or no, no, I'm not. But yeah, when when I I just remember you tripping over that one kid's feet, was just like, get the fuck out of my way. It was really funny. (laughs) 
it was yeah. good stuff. And as this thing too, I, and not not to make a racial thing out of it, but you know, racial tensions are high right now. Um, I guess they've always kind of been high. We've just you know, kind of not really called on it. But racial tensions are really high right now. Mm-hmm. And as a black guy in a theater, if I'm telling somebody, "Will you shut the fuck up?" That can create a lot of problems for me. Right, yeah. Even though I'm not the one technically at fault. I'm the one who's here to watch a movie and to really be a part of this experience. Yeah, You're the yeah. one that won't shut the fuck up or you won't stop shaking your goddamn popcorn or whatever <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, that is just a disruption. But if I say anything, I'm I'm the bad guy because I, because it's like, you know, I'm not trying to get in, but it's, it's just, just like, oh, you know, there they go again. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, yeah. I will say, seeing uh, Endgame in theaters, that was a really good crowd. I, I had the privilege of being with a really good group of people who did, like, stay quiet, and, like, it was a it was a pretty big deal for everybody, which is, it, it's kind of fitting that it was Endgame that was one of the best theater experiences I've had in recent years, because that kind of ties into what we're talking about hmm. here. I've had, uh, I can count by, I can count on one hand the number of, like, great theater experiences I've had. Um, and it's gotten to a point now whenever I want to go see a movie, mm-hmm. um, it's almost like I have to see it, um, like in the middle of the week, like on a Tuesday oh, yeah. or a Thursday at like the first showing, mm-hmm. like a 1030 or 11 o'clock showing, you know, and, and then, and I can sit far enough away. And I hate this whole movie theater, movie theater magnetism thing where mm-hmm. I can be there and it doesn't matter what time I show up. If I'm the first person there, everyone wants to sit around me. Right. You got yeah. a whole fucking theater to sit in, you know, <laughs> if I sit all the way up top. Someone wants to sit near me. If I sit like near the middle, they want to see. I'm mean, like, no, it's your charisma. No, yeah, I'm like, it's your, it's your animal. Do you really? Do I look like I'm fucking charismatic? <laughs> charismatic. Personally, one of my best theater experiences in the past three years was going to see Deadpool because I did go in the middle of the week and it was almost completely empty. There was like, there was a couple, like a few rows ahead of me, and there was like one other person at the very back, and I was just like right in the middle. Nobody bothered me. Nobody spoke to me. No eye contact. It was such a solitary experience that I might as well have been there alone, and I fucking love that. But I'm also very much a hermit. I'm like, extremely much an introvert, uh, so I mean that, that was like heaven to me. But there's something great about going to a movie when everyone is there to see the movie, and you get kind of caught up in that in that feeling of you know when something happens and everything, and you hear people catch their breath, or mm-hmm. you know, or you hear somebody like yeah, you know that yeah, which is so, what happened when Cat picked up the hammer uh, when I saw Endgame. Just you could hear everybody just go oh, and that was like that was such a good moment of like yeah, everybody's just as fucking blown away with this as I am. So I so one of my great movie experiences was Stax and I went to go see. Um, well, I think we both had the day off or whatever, and we went to go see Ninja Assassin in the theater. Hmm. And we were it was like the two of us and like one other person. Yeah, at yeah. like eleven o'clock in the morning, and that was fantastic. That is cool. When I did the Marvel, this was before they were calling it phases, but the Marvel Phase One movie marathon, which was like an all day thing, <laughs> everybody there was there to see Marvel movies. Right, and right. they followed the rules. The lights dimmed, they shut up. Yeah. You know, and, and, and these people did not start talking again until the lights came back up. So during the credits, no one was talking. You heard nice. somebody like start something and people like, shh, and they would quiet down. <laughs> because you're talking like 12 hours oh, yeah. of movies. Yeah. Um, and because this thing started at like 11 and then Avengers was playing at midnight because Avengers was opening 
I think it started on, yeah, Avengers was opening on, uh, you know, Friday. Yeah. And so we saw it on a Thursday and it, and it started playing Avengers at midnight. So it was a long ass day <laughs> and everybody was there to see that movie. And that was a great experience because, you know, it was like, we're spending all this time here. We're spending you know, like 12 hours or whatever to watch these movies. Yeah. We're going to shut up and we're going to yeah, watch these yeah. movies. Actually, this was like 14 hours. It, it was, it, it was, it was crazy. It was, I love that. Yeah. When I went to go see the Lord of the Rings marathon, the uh, the extended editions of all three movies. It was me, Stax, uh, one of my exes, or my my girlfriend at the time, and I think there were like maybe four other people that were there. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, these are people that are dedicated. They're going to see this because that was another like ten hour like you know session there with like I think a fifteen or half hour like break in between. Right. Right. And they were all dedicated. You know what you're coming in here for? No one's there to like you jerk off for for you know ten hours. <laughs> Uh, so there was that, um, and I've had a couple really good Marvel experiences, yeah. you know, because like opening day, because everyone there, because you know you're standing in line for three hours waiting yeah. for the movie to yeah. start, because you want to get you know, good seats. But I mean, that was it. And then and I, I think it's very telling that some of our best theater experiences are Marvel things, because that kind of ties in with what uh, right. what we're discussing here with Scorsese saying it's not cinema. It's like, well, you know, these are some of our best cinematic experiences. We're, we're actually dealing with a crowd who fucking respects the movie. And you just don't get that. Right. And so if you want to go all the way back, it was that episode or I think two-part on Behind the Bastards where they were talking about uh, like movies and, and uh, Edison and all that. And how when movies were first coming about and when you know kind of the whole uh, making of movies moved over to the West Coast because of um, the hold they had on the East Coast. And like who, who can make movies and who can't. Right, right. You know, there were... Um, there were communities of uh, of immigrants that were making movies for immigrants you know they were making movies for their people right and the theaters were being were flooded with these people that were watching movies that represented you know not just them as a people but their culture and you know their interests mm-hmm. and it was bringing them together that's that communal thing that Feige's talking about yeah, yeah you know that that we're talking about right so even if you don't see them as being you know like cinema or whatever in a way, they're kind of a little bit more cinema than anything else because they are drawing this group of people together in a way that some other franchises and things don't do or genres don't do. Yeah. Horror movies bring in horror movie people, but it's not a communal thing. Yeah. You're going there, and you may be going to be going there because you do want to be a part of that whole, like, that you know, the people around you that are being scared, like we talked about in our right. other podcast. Right, yeah. But you're not, also, you're not really going there to share that experience with them. You're going more to take... Yeah. that experience you know from them yeah and it and it gleans and we, we, we did talk about this on some of our horror podcasts too it gleans a different thing for different people and different people are getting different things out of it and you know just like with watching it you know there were moments where i was scared shitless but over tim and camelot were like you know laughing and you know it's like it, it hits it hits different people in different ways and you know there's there's not that communal thing but you know just Man, and, and you know, I'll, I'll always go back to that moment of Cat picking up the hammer because it was just such a thing, and just the entire room—you could just feel everybody change. Yeah. And you know, I, I remember, I remember, I was saying under my breath, like, "Oh my god!" And then, you know, I could hear a guy like a few seats down from me just go, "Holy shit!" And it was like everybody knew that was the big moment. Yeah. It's like yeah. we have been waiting for this for so long, and people clapping and stuff. Oh you know? man, yeah. Dude, when I so um when I saw the the Avengers marathon and. At the at the end of it of the Avengers, when the guy says, you know, um, to challenge Earth is to court death, 
and that chair turned around and I was like, oh shit. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you could feel like an atmospheric change uh, in the theater. Not, not everybody, I think, got it. Right, right. But I mean, the people there, you could kind of feel this shift. It was almost like as if it got colder or something, you right, know? Right, yeah. And it was, it was, it was nice. And, and you can still get that at home, but it's just not the same. And I hate the fact that I find myself watching more movies at home mm-hmm. because I don't want to be disappointed. I don't want to pay $12 near to be pissed off because I'm asshole won't shut the fuck up. Right. You know, yeah. And then all they do, they just send somebody in with a flashlight and, you know, and of course the person could be quiet during that time and right. like, I'm ready to grab somebody and throw them down a goddamn <laughs> aisle. I mean, just shut up. See, I wouldn't like, mind what him. are you here for? Right. I wouldn't mind him sitting in usher in with a flashlight if he was just going to like club him to death like a baby seal, but oh, that God, never happened. Yes. Just like that episode of American Dad. Yeah, just, oh man. So anyway. <laughs> yeah, just just beat him to death like a poacher killing a baby panda in a bamboo yeah. grove and Willa just laugh and throw our candy wrappers at him. So that, that's the communal experience I can get behind. Heck yeah. Uh, so so anyway, going back to, to Scorsese. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, you know, these people you know, came out like Tim Gunn said something and uh, Taika Waititi said something and um, it says that the real issue says here according to this article uh, fueling Coppola and Scorsese's seemingly out of the blue backlash against Marvel is something that all involved parties might agree on. Audiences aren't going to theaters to see movies like they used to, and movie studios are compensating by pivoting away from original stories towards surefire bets, and those tend to be very expensive superhero movies, sequels, and adaptations, or remakes. So I'm going to toss that on the movie industry, because you're the guys that set this up. You're the same people that say, I don't want to have a three-hour-long movie, because that means I can only get, like, three showings in a day. I'd rather have a movie that's only like an hour and 20 minutes, mm-hmm. you know, that way I can get like eight showings in a day and then I can make more money. Your greed is instead of putting out a quality product, you're too busy trying to just shove out products and everything like freaking Menachem Golem. Right. Um, and, and, you know, like, and that's going to do it. And then when these things tank or when you see like one thing does really well for whatever reason, then all you guys do is just copy it and you just sit there and you just take and you just Xerox the shit out of that, mm-hmm. you know, like, like the uh, the paranormal activity, <laughs> yeah. you know that movie comes out and it says, oh, and then they're like, oh, this movie made thirty million dollars. Okay, three million dollar horror film. That's not a big deal. It cost fifty thousand to make. We're doing this, yeah, you know. We, and then that's what you you get just me in on this shit. you fucking ride that horse until it dies. But I mean, that's been a problem with the filmmaking industry for so long. And I keep going back to Jackie Chan's autobiography just because I've I've read it recently. But I mean, he he talks about that. That, like, when he got into the movie industry, everybody was looking for the next Bruce Lee. Everybody wanted to follow the formula of the Bruce Lee movies. It's like, you have to be, like, your character has to be this impeccable martial artist. He has to be on a revenge mission to avenge his fallen sensei. It always has to be, like, the same, like, follow the same beats. And he would just, he would have it out with his directors of saying, like, this is not working. All of these movies are failing because none of us are Bruce Lee. Right. You're not going to get another Bruce Lee. And they were like, no, this is the formula we have to follow. It was successful for him. And it was, you know, there was that turning point where Jackie Chan was like, no, I want to play a bumbling oaf. I'm a comedian. I'm here to entertain. Let me do a funny character who just goofs up every once in a while. Right. And that's when things started turning around for him. It's like, you. Let, let me show these things actually hurt when you, like, when you yeah. punch somebody or miss and, like, this hurts. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, it's like, I want to fail. I want to be a character who's flawed. And, you know, uh, one of the, one of the biggest turnaround points for Jackie Chan's career was when he did, uh, Drunken Master. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's a, that's a historical figure in, uh, in China 
was uh, was this traveling doctor who would go around and he would use the drunken master technique to defend himself, but he would go around like helping sick people. And there'd been like tons of movies about this guy, mm-hmm. but they were all very reverent and very carefully handled to show, yes, this guy was like a really respected figure. And Jackie Chan's approach to it was like, no, I want to show him as this douchebag teenager who just doesn't take anything seriously. I want him to be a flawed character. And everybody was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You shouldn't do that with this guy. This is a guy we don't we don't do that way, you know? And and he yeah, he did it. And it wound up taking off and people loved it. And that's like, you know, that just that was when people started kind of changing their, their view on things. But yeah, you're talking about the the the, the Bruce Lee clones. And you mm-hmm. see that when you go back and you look at martial arts movies, you know, from after Bruce Lee's death. Mm-hmm. You've got Bruce Lee with a L I. Yep. You know, uh, Bruce <laughs> That's my favorite. Lee. Yeah. Bruce Lee with L E I, whatever. <laughs> then you've got people like like uh Bronson Lee. You know, they're just changing these people's names, they're all trying to capitalize on it. And then you have so many movies from that time, like the true story of Bruce Lee with a guy mm-hmm. that looks vaguely like him right. if you squint <laughs> and like and like threw like some a, shit in your other eye. It's, right? like, it's a Chinese guy with a bowl cut, so you know. Right. <laughs> and and then there's it's always like, you know, Bruce Lee returns from the grave or Bruce Lee faked his death to find out. And there's like all these movies mm-hmm. about Bruce Lee or somehow involving Bruce Lee and him. the Chinese gods. Right. You know, <laughs> we're trying to figure out whatever. And there's, there's a shit ton of them. Oh, yeah. Or people yeah. that are just like, say, you're just like, oh, it's Bruce Lee. And, you know, some people just aren't discerning enough to be like, that's not how you spelled his name. Or, you know, back then it's like, oh, I need some more Bruce Lee in it. You didn't have like videotape or whatever. So it was like, yeah. oh, here's a movie or whatever. You know, it's just, yeah, they're just capitalizing on it. And, and Hollywood does that so much and they don't find out what it is that makes something good mm-hmm. and, and, you know, why this, why this took off. Like, oh, at the time there was, there was a, this was something new, something refreshing that people hadn't seen or, you know, there was there was a a need for this. This right, wasn't being right. fulfilled, you know. Uh, and audiences were craving it. And sometimes audiences don't know what they need until you know until you give it to them. And they're like, oh yes, I was missing this. I couldn't put my finger on it, but this is mm-hmm. it. Yeah. And now I'm just being inundated with it. And like I don't need it. It's like right. It's like it's like when the doctor says, oh hey, you know what? You need a little bit more vitamin D. And so you start taking vitamin D, and then and then you start getting taken way too much. Like whoa, 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 whoa! You just need a little bit. Right. You yeah. got that now. Now tone it down. Yeah, because you know, I mean, you know what happens when you overdose on vitamin D? You just become Icarus. What? Yeah, didn't, I mean, he flew too close to the sun, so he overdosed on vitamin D. Ah, gotcha. Okay. Okay, but it, it's interesting you were bringing up this need thing because I, I just saved a quote from Alan Moore yesterday, which you know me. Well, hold on. So before we get into that, let's take a break. Oh. Uh, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I was gonna try to do Actually, it after I finished like Scorsese's <laughs> whole thing, but I don't think I'm gonna. I think we're gonna end up tackling this thing piecemeal. So yeah. let's we'll take a break now. And we're you start forty-two with your, minutes in. This may be a two-parter. Uh, well, yeah. Please don't forget we jerked off for, like the first ten minutes too. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, it probably would be a two-part. That's cool. All right. So uh, break time. Excelsior, true believers. There's a new podcast called In the Gutter, starring yours truly, Wallcrawler One. And Turk182 from the podcast, Our Moms Think We're Funny. In the gutters, we'll explore all of comicdom, from the depths of the Atlantean Oceans all the way to the up, up, and aways of the expanses of the multiverses. We'll sleep, eat, and full bleed from the local comic shops to the grave for you here on In the Gutters. Please join us for our premier podcast found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor FM, Spotify, and CastBox. Also, expect X-Men and Claremont. Lots of X-Men and Claremont. Whoosh! <laughs> 
And we're back. All right. So you have an article from Alan Moore. Uh, yeah, just a, just a quick quote, but it's interesting because you were saying, you know, that, you know, these certain movies will fulfill a need amongst people. Right. And uh, I just I thought it was crazy because I just like stumbled across this quote from his and I was like, I'm going to save this. Um, it's not the job of the artist to give the audience what the audience wants. If the audience knew what they needed, then they wouldn't be the audience. They would be the artists. It is the job of the artists to give the audience what they need. Now, I don't know if, if that's an actual quote, quote from Alan Moore, because you know the internet. Right. But it and certainly sounds... Alan Moore. Right, and you know Alan Moore. <laughs> but it certainly sounds like something he would say. But, I mean, I think that's very fitting that it's like, no, you know, we're, we're not here to give people what they want. We're, we're here to fulfill a need. Right. And, you know, and just like something with paranormal activity, you know, it's not that people were just like, hey, I like found footage now. And it's like, no, that wasn't it. It was that it, it met some kind of primal thing to say, no, this kind of shit is scary. And you can't just say, well, I'm going to copy that now. You know, it's like, I'm, you're, you're not going, you're, there's no situation in cinema when you're going to be the guy who tells the same joke but louder. Right. That's just not how that works. And that's why it always fails to do that kind of stuff. Uh, it's in the thing with that is, you know, well, uh, they they don't even look at it and say, oh, what is it? It's like, how much did this cost? How much money can we make off of it? And then they just they just bombard. And they don't really put any true heart in it. It's mm-hmm. like, okay. And what really kind of kills me with some of that stuff is that when they know for a fact that they're putting out a bad product and they do it anyway because they say, hey, we're at least going to make $2 million off of this. Right, right. Yeah, but is it worth it? Is it <laughs> worth it to, to put out a bad product just because you're making a little bit of money mm-hmm. when you could – Put a little bit more into this and make four million dollars. Yeah, but that's too much work. Right, right. Yeah, that's too much work. I just, I'm just going to settle for for what I have here. And it's the, but you're doing this to yourself. You're yeah. crippling yourself. Yeah. I mean, because like you were talking about, you know, giving someone what they need. When you go to the doctor, what you want is to hear that everything's okay. Yeah. It's like, and you don't want to hear bad news. But the doctor's job is to give you bad news if bad news exists. And it's like, yeah. oh, hey, guess what? You know. So you, you, you're not going to go to the doctor and hear, oh, you know what? You need to eat more donuts. It'll make you lose 100 pounds and it'll make your cock bigger. I mean, that's just not how it works. Right. Uh, it's like, no. It's like they, they're going to tell you like, oh, by the way, you know, you've got some serious problems with your heart. And it's like, that's not what I wanted to hear. Yeah, well, that's the truth. I'm not here to tell you what you want to hear. Right, yeah. If that's the case, then we could have done so over the phone. <laughs> right. You know <what> I mean, <laughs> but the, the thing is like what you need is you, you want to be healthy. You want to live a longer life. And that means you're going to have to be told the truth and you have to make some changes. Mm-hmm. If you're not willing to do that, then you can just keep your ass at home and leave me alone. Yeah. yeah. You know, or you can just send me a check just out of the blue just to be like, hey, I sent a check to my doctor, you know, for the next six months. So I'm going to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Like, no, that's that's not how that works. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we've, we've talked about that with like so many of the movies that we like. They are movies that like challenge you and they challenge the way you you look at the world. Right. And, you know, something like Clockwork Orange, that raises a lot of like questions about morality and about free will. And, you know, um you know, something like Fight Club. I mean, you know, obviously, I mean, that just, and, you know. And we talk about Fight Club a lot, and I know lot, people are probably yeah. sick of us talking about it. But as you were saying um, before is that, you know, you watch it once a year. Mm-hmm. But every time you watch it, though, you take away something different oh, yeah. from it. Yeah. And even Very then, depending so. on where you are in your life, that movie is going to is gonna affect you differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Very can, much so. I can watch Captain America, the first Avenger, over and over again. And it doesn't matter how many times I see it, it's I'm still going to come away with it feeling the same way. Right. You know, right. And that, but that movie's not designed for that. And there's other movies too where I can watch. I mean, hell, I can watch Blazing Saddles over and over again. <laughs> Young Frankenstein. Those I mean, those are comedies, obviously, but those movies are not going to. They don't challenge me in any way. Right. And even right. if I look at at, at at a drama, there's a lot of dramas that I like. Like I love, uh, even I haven't seen it in, in a while. Uh, love Michael Clayton. 
Um, yeah. Uh, of course, it's got Tilda Swinton in it, but it has George Clooney in it, who I also love. Oh, yeah. George Clooney's um, the shit. He is, he is incredible in that movie. But I never walk away from that movie feeling any different right, about myself. Right. It's a great movie, but it, that doesn't challenge me. There are challenge movies, like you say, that mm-hmm. you know that bring something different. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like you know, Baby Driver doesn't really challenge me. It hasn't really, you know... It hasn't really like made me kind of rethink the way I tackle the world, but I, I love Baby Driver. It has changed your driving skills. It has. It made you a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I power slide a lot now. And I, I wish you wouldn't do so much driving with the headlights off, but I, I mean, I understand you're, 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 you're working through something. You know, I mean, it, it's it, it that only really happens when I'm listening to Hocus Pocus by Focus, but, yeah. you know. Or uh, Egyptian reggae. <laughs> so, uh, so getting back to this thing. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, so Scorsese, you know, he, he kind of triggered this reaction and it became a, I would say a mild hornet's nest for him. Like, you know, like they, like everything started buzzing, <laughs> but they didn't attack anybody. They right, just buzzed right. for a while and then everything just settled back down. <laughs> hey there, mister. Um, so, um, so anyway, um, Scorsese says, you know, so you might ask, what's my problem? Why not just let superhero films and other franchise films be? The reason is simple. In many places around this country and around the world, franchise films are now your primary choice if you want to see something on the big screen. Um, and, you know, they say he's not wrong. There's franchise films and blah, 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 blah. Now, I'm going to toss a lot of this to Disney because, you know, Marvel is owned by Disney now. Mm-hmm. And Disney are the people that are doing what we talked about before. Things like, oh, now we're going to take The Lion King. We're going to make a quote, unquote, live action from it, which is not live action. It's a yeah. different form of anime because nothing in there is live. Right, yeah. Uh, so, and then we're going to take... I think they film the backgrounds on location and then animate the CG animals into it. But... Oh, so now we're counting trees as live? <laughs> I don't remember any of the trees or plants being named in the credits. This is John the Tree and Greg the Bush, you know? <laughs> we have decided that you are not orcs. Yeah. So, so yeah, that doesn't count as live. At least, at least the Jungle Book had one live human actor in yeah, it. Yeah, to but, my knowledge, he was not CGI unless John Favreau lied to me. And, he and he's at, done that before. He looked at Bill Murray the bear and was like, are you an angel? And it's like, we were in the bar. He's, he's like, no, don't worry, man. I'll pick up the tab. And then, you know, <laughs> two drinks later, I was like, hey, where's John Favreau? And he's like, oh, he left. And I was like, you motherfucker. <sighs> oh, good stuff. So, so I mean, I'm just... I, I guess my question here is, what does Martin Scorsese consider cinema? Because, I mean, I'm just, I, I just, like, once you started reading his quote, because, you know, his statement is, it's not cinema. But then, you know, Merriam-Webster says, you know, cinema is, it's either A, a motion picture, it's a motion picture theater, it is the film industry, or it is the art or technique of making motion pictures. So, just by, like, the literal definition here, just the baseline dictionary definition... Yeah, no. I mean, Marvel movies meet all of that criteria. Um, so, so unless he's saying it's not art, which is a completely objective statement, I don't really get what he's trying to push here. And to say it's not art, I think it is all is is dismissive. Yeah, I, I mean, I. And oh man, we've talked about that a lot too because you know I'm very critical of like deviant art and websites like that. that yeah, you like, are. You know, I, I as critical as I am of that, I'm not going to say that it's not art. It's just not to my taste which to be fair that is what you know that's kind of how he patched that over is to say that you know oh it's not to my taste but at the same time you really can't say that it's not cinema when by every single definition of the word it is cinema it's it's a movie made with art and techniques from the film industry that you go to a movie theater to see i mean that that's that's what it is and you know for for me for for superhero movies and i noticed there's uh 
there's, there's a guy that uh, that uh, that runs a, my the D and D campaign that I'm in, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, I'm going to see every superhero movie that comes out there, whether it looks good to me or not, because I want to support superhero movies because I like them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I like that. I like the fact you're doing, and it's kind of like you know, if you don't support, it, it's going to go away. I'm like, that that's that's true, but. I don't want to support movies like Venom. I don't want right. to su- I don't want to support <laughs> Morbius cuz Morbius looks like garbage to me. And I love Jared Leto. I just I mean yeah, I wish Leto's he could find a, a nice a nice like a superhero franchise. Not that he needs it. He doesn't need it at all. Right, right. But because I'm a superhero fan, I like superhero movies and he's a great actor and mm-hmm. a great musician. I want I want to mix those worlds together. I mean, I want to bring him in on that. I want to see Jared Leto with something pretty awesome. Jimmy you know. holograms. Uh yeah, well, no, because, I mean, since he sings, he can't be a member of the Misfits. He can't be he a member be Jim. of Jim. <laughs> he can just be Jim. You're thinking of a different Jim. No. <laughs> You're thinking of J.I.M. holograms. holograms. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to make that movie. <laughs> just Jim from The Office. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I want that for him. But it does, is he, he uh, but we don't need it. I mean, I right. don't need it. He doesn't need it. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm still going to like Jared Leto, you know, for the work that he does. Um and even if he even if he just continued to do like like some like little small roles like you know like he did in Fight Club and other mm-hmm. things like a uh, Panic Room and stuff yeah yeah when when he got cu- well sorry uh, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just gonna put it out there if you haven't seen Panic Room yet you know me telling you Jared Leto gets killed is not gonna ruin the movie because it's not really about him anyway but when he got killed in Panic Room I was like damn I barely even got any good Jared Leto time right you know and he's kind of cool looking with his uh, with his cornrows <laughs> um, he he is really able to like vary up his physical appearance. But, and, you know, we, we talked about this with the Joker, and we've talked about the Joker on the podcast a couple times. You know, not everything needs to be a superhero movie, and I think a lot of times they're just deciding, oh, this is going to be a superhero movie without asking, does it really need to be? Right. And, you know, I, I know they've made the statement, oh, the Joker is not a comic book movie, it's not a superhero movie, but it's like, but you're trying to shoehorn it into the DC universe regardless. Right. And you, you, know, and you, you call it the Joker, you're making it the Joker. Yeah, he's like, you, know, so. you made the conscientious decision to call it the Joker, to give him that name, to set it in Gotham, to make the Wayne family central characters to it. So, yes, it is a comic book movie, whether you want to pretend that it's not. Right. So, it's like, you know, if, if you had just made it, you know, the adventures of, like, Creepo the fuckboy who becomes an evil clown, that's fine. Then it would be one of my top ten favorite films. But it's just, you're trying to force it into something that it really doesn't need to be. While at the same time saying it's not. And right. And keep it away. It's like, I, I want to put it out there and I, I want to pull it, I want to pull it back. Right. It's like, yeah, I know, I know you're saying never, but all I'm hearing is now. Right. <laughs> it's like, so, 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 going back to that, you know. Yeah, I don't, you know, this, this guy says, you know, I'm going to support them all because I don't want, I don't want people, I don't think things to go back to where, you know, we're not getting any superhero movies or when we do, it's such a lackluster thing. Right. And as a comic book fan, I've waited a long time to see some real genuine superhero movies on the screen. Yeah. As opposed to what we were getting before, which were things like, you know, like, you know, the Incredible Hulk TV series, probably <laughs> the Incredible Hulk, which is just really bad. And even when I tried to watch that and it was like, oh, it's got Matt Murdock in it. It's like, yeah, but his Daredevil was not the. And it's like, oh, here's the one with the with Thor. And it's like, it doesn't even look like Thor. He doesn't act like <laughs> Thor. You big green ogre or whatever it was he kept calling him. like, that's. Uh, and then when we did get like some of them on a big screen or when they tried to make some like the really bad 80s Captain America movie, oh, that yeah. bad Fantastic Four movie, <laughs> the. I the good-hearted I, Dolph Lundgren Punisher movie, and then the bad Punisher Warzone movie. I mean, I don't, I don't think superhero movies really got good until like Batman. You know, 
Like well, the Tim Burton Batman. But even then, you had some really bad ones that followed that up. Oh, yeah. Well, like horrible. everything after Batman. Because, like, I, I didn't like Batman Returns. That was Batman a, Returns is shit. That was a slog to get through. Which sucked because it was like, oh, yeah, you got Danny DeVito as the Penguin. I mean, you know, I love me some Danny DeVito. And it's like, I went into that with such high hopes. It was like, oh, this sucks. Oh, God, and I haven't so I haven't seen, like, um, like Batman and Robin or... Uh, oh, what Batman Forever. After? Yeah, Batman Forever. I haven't seen those since I was, like, five but, like, it, part of that was because, like, I just don't know if I can do that to myself, you know? No. Like, I don't want to see George Clooney's bat nipples and, like, just, like, subject myself to that. And George Clooney, the, the guy who's, who's, you know, who's called the, the man who destroyed the Batman franchise. No. Honestly, if you were going to make a Batman 5, if Batman 4 was successful, you're going to make a Batman 5, I wouldn't want to see it because, like... Two, three, and four were not good. And it yeah, had nothing yeah. to do with George Clooney. He was a pretty good Bruce Wayne. Oh yeah, no, I, um, I love Clooney. I think he, I think he's a good Batman. It's just like, I mean, the costume design is what killed that. And there were so many things where I could, I could, I could tear those movies apart. Just, <laughs> I could shred them. They're so bad. Um, and I know some people really like it. A lot of people really like Batman Returns. And I'm just like, I don't see it. I don't. But then a lot of people like Venom, and I'm like, you know, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not, pick, I'm not picking on Wallcrawler because you know Wallcrawler is, is, is our bro. Um, and he's, he's, and he's a big fan of the channel. You know, he and I, you know, you know, we're, we're working on our, um, uh, on our, our podcast, you know, um, uh, in the gutters and kind of seeing, you know, where that's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and he's a fan of that movie and, and I'm not. And, and I'm just like, and I just, I, like I said, I'm just, uh, it just, it doesn't, it, it, it kills me. So anyway, Camelot's a fan of the movie too. Yeah. But uh, there, there's there's a couple things about the movie I like. You know, it's not like I hated every second of it, but I mean, yeah, it's just it's not a good movie. I, I don't I I I guess you could say there were portions that I liked, but I couldn't like them enough to really enjoy them. Oh yeah, to everything yeah. Else. No, like the only other time I intend to watch the movie is so we can do our let's watch of it. Yeah, that's it. I'll never like go out of my way to go. Huh? You know what? I feel like watching Venom today. And, and I'm going to say this kind of loosely when I say I feel sorry for Tom Hardy because I don't really feel sorry for mm-hmm. Tom Hardy. He's still doing fine on his own. You know, it's not yeah, like, he, it's like he, he doesn't need our sympathy. Right. Not at all. But I do I do feel sorry for him. They put so much work in it and to like invest so much into the character mm-hmm. only to have it turn out the way it did and yeah. him be just as disappointed with it. But anyway, uh, so well, I, to- I will interrupt you here really quickly because Tom Hardy is like the big draw of like, so the, of the few things that I do like about the movie. And I've, I've seen other people talk about this, so it's not just me like coming up with this. I'm not trying to take credit for that, but. I like the fact that Tom Hardy's character that Eddie brought, he just looks like shit the entire movie, you know? Yeah. He's just, he's a train wreck. He's got, like, dark circles under his eyes. He's got, like, this grungy-ass, dirty sweatshirt hoodie. He's unshaved. He's unkempt. He's unshowered. He just looks like garbage the entire movie. And you have, you know, it's funny, because, like, last time we were recording, Thor was on, and you just have, like, this entire long extended scene of Chris Hemsworth without a shirt. And it's like, well, yeah, he's, like, this jacked, handsome dude, but it's, like, just this totally gratuitous scene. And I do really appreciate that, you know, they don't do that with Eddie Brock. They don't have this moment of like, you know what, I'm just going to strut my stuff and show my glorious glistening bod here. It's like, right. no, he's, he's just going to look like shit because he's having a bad time. That's what I, that's, that's the big thing I like about Venom. Yeah. And uh, like, and yeah, he, I, he did, he did, um, he put a lot of heart in that movie and his mm-hmm. Eddie Brock, I thought, you know, he, he does look the whole time. Like he is just, just weary. He is just world weary. Mm-hmm. I just. It's it's all been too much. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, sorry to have uh, interrupted you there, but no, no, that's cool. So uh, what I was gonna what I was gonna say next though is um, 
I've waited a long time to see some really good superhero movies. Now, these movies are not necessary. I can still enjoy what I, you know, what I want as far as comic books go without any of these movies. Mm-hmm. And if it were up to, if it were up to, you know, Alan Moore, he's like, hey, I made this to be a comic book. It needs to be a comic book. It needs to stay a comic book. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. But, you know, sometimes I, I need to be, uh, this is going to come out wrong. I need to be stimulated in another, in a different way. <laughs> but also, I want to see these properties, like, you know, really just kind of like come to life in, in a, in, in another medium. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but, you know, as a, as a person that read comic books growing up and still reads comic books, you know, as, as I can, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where I, having to try to explain to somebody what's great about them, which is also this is this is the the the, the dichotomy of this as well. Um, but having to explain to somebody what makes them great, why I like comic books and that kind of stuff, and then I can't get them to read a comic book, but I can get them to watch the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, instead so the 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 you know the the bad the tail end of that is that then these people think they know everything about these characters yeah, yeah. because they watch this one movie and it's like that's not what that character is about at all. It's yeah, like, you know, and we've run into that a lot at the cons where we attend. Yeah, where you have people whose only experience with the characters are through the movies. Yeah, and then and, and they they want to they start talking out of their ass about it, and I'm like, I'm great. It's great that you want to have that conversation, but you know you're you're not you're not really prepared enough and right. you don't have the knowledge you're don't cite the deep magic to me which i was there when it was written you're 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 an armless guy in a boxing match i right. mean really that's what it is um so i mean if we were playing soccer you'd have a you'd, you'd have it up on me because i'd be fouling left and right but in this case no sorry you know you're going to lose. But so this is something that, that I've been wanting, you know, for, for quite a while. Um, and it's nice to see them when they're really well done. Mm-hmm. And some of them, you know, like, for example, Batman Superman and Suicide Squad and that kind of stuff, I'll defend. I can't really defend Justice League. I can talk about some of the good merits of it and where it could have gone, but I can't really accurately defend it. Um, I can just talk about, you know, where, where it was supposed to be headed and, and that kind of stuff. And even then I can't really definitively do that because I don't know the true story. I'm just getting all the same snippets and rumors that everyone else says. Right. Yeah. Right. But I can with, you know, Batman Superman and with, um, you know, the Watchmen movie and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, so to, to look at the movies as, as they are. Let's talk about the, the, what people like to call the, the, the kind of the Marvel method. Mm-hmm. So with that you have, excuse me. Um, with that you have um, the the whole thing, and you know, and Roberts brought this up to me, and and once he kind of brought it to my attention, uh, I looked at it, and it does bother me some. I understand why it's done that way. It does bother me, but and I wish it was a, I wish there was something else that could be done, but unfortunately, it's. Um, I, I don't think you really can properly do it. And I'm going to tell you what it is in just a minute. I'm holding you all in suspense here, <laughs> keeping you, you know, I'm holding you hostage while I, I you know, just espound my, my great quote unquote great wisdom. Um, I don't think there's a, there's a better way to really do it. But one of the things he says, like, he, he enjoys them for what they are, but he can't really get invested in them in the same way that, I, that you and I can. Mm-hmm. Because like, most of these movies, almost all of them, is like the hero fights a dark version of themselves. Hmm. So in Iron Man, he ends up fighting Warmonger, which right. is just an evil version of Iron Man. Ant Man fights um, Yellow Jacket, 
it's just a dark version of Ant-Man. Right. Hulk right. fights Abomination. Captain America fights the Red Skull. You know, uh, I think Thor is the only one that's slightly different, but even still, he's fighting Loki kind of in the end, yeah, who isn't yeah. really a, a evil version of him because they don't have the same power set. Uh, but for the most part, that's what you're seeing. You're, you're seeing them fighting a an evil version of themselves. You don't get that with the Christopher Nolan Batman movies in the sense, um, or I guess you kind of do with the first one because he fights Ra's al Ghul, right, um, even right. though the whole time you don't really know that's who your, your main villain is, who is kind of like a dark version of himself. Right. Um, but part of that is also is if I'm using all this time in the first movie to, um, and you don't get that in Spider-Man either. Um, but if I'm spending all this time here to establish the origin of the main character, I don't have the necessary time to also establish the origin of the villain. So if I explain to you how the hero works, and then I say, here's a person who is like the hero, only a twisted version of them, then you get that. Right. But if I have to, if I have to create a, a, a hero, so if I wanted to put, let's say, uh, the Red Skull against Ant-Man, I've got to explain who, how the Red Skull came to be, mm-hmm. how his powers work and all that. I can't do all that in the same amount of time. Right, yeah. yeah. So I get that. Um, I, I don't like it now that I've pointed out. You're probably going to see this so often now. It's like, oh, you're right. This is the same thing. Even with the with the Black Widow movie that's coming out, right? What yeah. are you saying? Black Widow is fighting other people from the Red Room and yep. then possibly Taskmaster, the person that trained him, who I hope isn't a woman. Um, <laughs> uh, but what are they? They're evil versions of the Black Widow. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, you see that. But then if you get that second movie, though, that's when you should see something a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, Whiplash is a little bit different than Iron Man. And then in Iron Man 3, we get a completely different view of, of Iron Man, which I like. I know it was a little bit different. I'm talking about the Mandarin. I'm talking about the fact that Tony barely wears a suit and all that yeah, kind of stuff, yeah. right? I, I love like the exploration of Tony's character in Iron Man 3. You get something a little bit different in Thor, um, Thor the Dark World, and in mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok. Uh, I love Ragnarok. And uh, and even in Ant Man two, you get something completely different as well. You get Ghost, who is not like them at all. Right. You know, um, loosely tied in because of the quantum realm and all that, but it's not like them at all. Right. I've I've uh, specifically avoided talking about Captain America because uh, at least Captain America Civil War, I mean Captain America Winter Soldier and Civil War, because when you get to like Iron Man and you get to Iron Man two. Right, you're you're seeing something. You with Iron Man two, you you with Iron Man, you see this this development of a character, mm-hmm. um, which is here's a guy that makes um makes weapons, right? And he's really good at making weapons. That's what he likes to do. Well, now yeah, like well, he likes to make money. He likes to you know make money and right. making weapons. You know, makes him money. Then he finds out that the the weapons that he's making are being used against innocent people. He doesn't really technically give a shit about that. Right. What he ends up giving a shit about is that. You know, those weapons that were being used to, to hurt innocent people are also being used against him. Right, right. And that's when he realizes, oh, hey, in a sense, I can't, I I can't, I am almost an innocent person like them. But also, how dare this thing come back? I made you. You're not supposed to hurt me. I should be immune to all this. I made the weapons. You know, I should not be, you know, I should be just, you know off the table as far as being able to be hurt by them. And he's not. Right. And then he kind of puts himself in that's like, oh, these weapons that I created, you know, are capable of hurting me too. And look at all the suffering I've caused in the world. Right, right. Uh, you know, it, it is, it is kind of a. I will say that it is kind of a rushed, like, uh, like character flip for him to be like, oh, after being in prison for you know, like a month, now you know, I, I'm so easy to, you know, so quick to change my ways. Now I want to save people as instead of hurting them. 
yeah, it does happen kind of quickly. And yes, I know he's got um, his relationship with uh, with with uh, Jensen and all that, but but there already had to have been something inside of him that wanted to turn or recognize that, right. and this was just the kind of thing that pushed him over the edge. Um, and I'm going to mention here in um, which is kind of a slight deviation, but it's to kind of help kind of uh, make my point, which is um, if you watch the um, Avatar: The Last Airbender cartoon right in season two they go to bossing say and you've already seen the whole evolution of well you haven't seen the evolution of uncle but you learn more about uncle you learn that uncle the guy that's trying to teach um a oh, crap uh, uh what's his nephew's name zuko yeah thank you zuko you're trying to uh, he's trying to teach zuko like not to follow in this you know to stop trying to hunt the you know the avatar and and all that stuff and and, and it, it keeps being brought back up to him. You're the guy that laid siege to Ba Sing Se for like 10 years. Right. And then you stopped. And what made him stop was when his son was killed. And then he went and took a look back and was like, wait a minute. This whole war is bullshit. We right. never should have been fighting this war at all. And he's like, and the only way I can stop it really is to get Zuko and and show him that this war doesn't need to be fought and that your father is a bad guy. Right, right. And you have this one scene, because it's something that, that he works with Zuko on throughout the entire first season, just kind of, just trying to talk him through it. You've got the one episode in season one where it's Uncle and uh, Iroh and uh, and uh, uh, Katara. Mm -hmm. And she doesn't know who he is, but he knows who she is. And he makes... No attempts to escape, to capture her or whatever. And he just talks to her, you know. And, and so you, you really get an idea of his character and kind of what he's about and where he's coming from. And he works on Zuko. And then in season two, you've got that moment where Zuko has that fever dream where it's he's struggling with doing what his father wants him to do and being the good person that uncle's trying to teach him to be. Right. And he struggles with that. And then he wins. In the end, he comes out. And he's a good person. Right, yeah. But he's not. He switches back very soon afterwards back to being the Zuko that's following his father's orders. It's not until he, in season, I think it's either later in season two or in season three, um, where his sister comes into play. And he really realizes that, oh, no, 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 this is all wrong. One, she's knocking futz. Mm -hmm. She is so crazy. And this is what power does to people. And this... Is what I this is what what Uncle's been telling me about, right? But right. it takes him a while to make that change, and we do see that change happen way too quickly in Tony Stark, without already having something in him that says, you know, you shouldn't be this person. Now we we do have Pepper, mm -hmm. and we do see she has a little bit of influence on him, but we don't really see where he's really taking her to heart. Um, I would say enough to really, really fully accept that what he what he his change in the cave right but anyway yeah. so you've got that arc he's a guy that makes weapons is happy making weapons you know spending money not being accountable for anything not taking anything seriously you know like you know betting any chick that i can and you know just whatever i want to do i do right then he goes to the cave he comes out and even then he's like hey i survived and it's like, oh, hey, you know what? I want to make a better version of this suit. This was a new idea I had. This is kind of awesome. And he doesn't really say it, you know, for maybe something for, for weapons. But he does say, hey, let's get this off the main servers. Right. You know, maybe I might want to do something something with this. I don't know what. It's not until he sees that, oh, wait a minute. I made it out, but these people 
are still using my weapons to hurt innocents. Right. And yes, I'm making money off of it, but I, I could convince myself that these weapons were only being used to hurt the bad people. But now the bad people have them and you're using them to hurt innocents. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my fault because I made it. Now, granted, you made it and it's being used for all the wrong purposes. I mean, I could kill somebody with a sheet of paper, right? And you'd be like, oh, wait a minute. You know, they never should have sold that paper. Well, no, I used that in the wrong way. Right, right. But in this case, you're making a weapon. A weapon is only really designed to do one thing. Right, yeah. Which is, which is kill. So, yeah, I mean, they're using it in the way it was designed to be used. They're just not using it, you know, for the purposes you want them to. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're upset about. Um, and so, you know, so he, you know, he kind of does this, this whole thing and he becomes Iron Man. Okay, great. Um, then the second one, he's still Iron Man. He's still just playing Iron Man. He doesn't really have a purpose. He doesn't have, like, he's just, I'm playing Iron Man and I'm privatizing world peace, but I'm still Tony Stark at the end of the day. I'm still doing right. all the shit that I did before and yeah. all that. Um, you move into Thor, right? And Thor's whole thing is all about, you know, being responsible. All Thor wants to be is king. He wants to rule. He wants to rule. And, you know, Odin says, you don't even know what it means to rule. Right. right. Only thing you think that ruling is is just means that now I can go to war whenever I want to. I can start fights, and this is what I like to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and then you know he teaches him some humility, and then from that he realizes that I don't want to be king. Yeah. Because yeah. being a king comes with more responsibility than I'm really ready for. Mm-hmm. I don't want that. I do like to fight, but now also know that I can challenge. I can channel my 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 fighting spirit, and my drive into fighting a, a good fight, fighting a better fight. Right. You know, right. and that's really kind of his whole interest in Midgard is that, you know, Asgard and the in the nine realms, now I'm keeping them safe as far as that goes. But here's a place here that now is going to warrant a lot more attention. And by protecting Midgard, mm-hmm. you know, not only can I get some really nice Natalie Portman and <sighs> and some Kat Denning, maybe. Maybe. Um destroy her. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, oh man, Cat Denny. Anyway, but um, God, she is legendary. But but not not only that, and, and I I really am building to something. I really am. Um, but but knowing that 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 now this this world has been opened up to more, mm-hmm. I can do what I like to do, which is fight. But I can fight for a good cause. Yeah, and and so there's that. And so you kind of you kind of see this the you know these things here, and there's that that, that kind of theme that's moving along. But the reason I've saved Captain America is for last. Is that you have your first movie, Captain America, which is not a superhero movie. Mm-hmm. It's not. You can call it a superhero movie if you want, but it really yeah. is a war movie. It's a war movie. It's yeah. a it's a straight up war movie, and and that's what it is. Just having to be a war movie about a guy who who you know happens to be have these extraordinary abilities. But you could you could take that with any kind of war movie where where you had like the you know. The, the soldier that wouldn't quit, that continued to go on. You know, what's that movie they came out with? Um, Angelina Jolie directed. Uh, un... Crap, I can't think of the one. I, I about the, this is a true story about the guy that was like, he was like an Olympic athlete and then he went to the war and he was a POW. And oh, then, Unbreakable? Yeah. Un, no, not Unbreakable. That's the, uh, unless it was the same title as there the, the Shyamalan title. book. Yeah. No, but anyway, I'm pretty okay. sure it was the same title. Right. Either that or his is Unbroken. It might be Unbroken. Uh, but anyway, but yeah, whatever, P- you guys look it up. The POW guy, I mean, that's a good movie. Right, so here's a guy, he's an ordinary guy. He's not a superhero, but you you take his story and you match it up with Captain America and you're still talking about a, a soldier that is, that is you know, 
doing what he can with the abilities that he has, whether they're enhanced abilities or normal, but an, an indomitable spirit mm-hmm. that just won't stop. They're, that mean they're pretty much the same thing. Just in this case, we we just we gave him a a a more you know dramatic theatrical villain, right? And right. You, and we boofed and we beefed him up some, but pretty much we're still talking about it's a war movie. Yeah, you yeah. know, we just changed some some elements, made it a little bit more fantastical. We move into Winter Soldier. And now we've got a suspense thriller. You know, we've got an espionage thriller. Yeah. With some superhero type elements in it. But again, he doesn't call Iron Man. He doesn't call like Thor. Well, you know, Thor's off world. But he doesn't ask for help from any of these people. Mm-hmm. It stays in-house, you know, with people that are just like him. Falcon, who's the guy that's got like, you know, a special suit or whatever. Which, again, it's really just a, a special suit. It's nothing more than any kind of experimental like thing that might be out there that you know the government has is not using. Yeah, it's a little little further along technology wise, but still. Right. And you've got the super spy who is just a super spy. That's all she is, and in, in in an athlete. Mm-hmm. And you and it's a, it's you know it's an espionage thriller along the same lines as um, oh shit, what's the name of that movie? Um, shit, I'm trying to think of the original one. I mean, they're all, all the same thing, but. In my mind, I'm, I'm referring to the original one with uh, Angela Lansbury and uh, Frank Sinatra. Oh, I, I can't I hate when I blank on a movie, especially when I'm on a podcast like this. <laughs> um, and I know you all know what I'm talking about, too, because they, they remade it later with Denzel Washington, Leah Schreiber. Um Manchurian Candidate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you're looking at, you know, this is kind of the equivalent of like the Manchurian Candidate, you know, or any of those other spy movies, um, those espionage thrillers. That's what Winter Soldier is. It's an espionage thriller. Yeah. You know, and it's like, oh, guess what? You know, there's corruption deep in, in the heart of the government. That's what every espionage thriller is. We need you to find this out, Jack Ryan, you know, right. you know, where this come from. It, and that's what it is. It's superhero because it's Captain America. But the first one's a war movie. The mm-hmm. second one is an espionage thriller. And then the third one is where we look at it, and it's got a little bit more superhero elements in it. But the third one is just what it says. It's a civil war. Mm-hmm. It's like we're going to war for something. And then we find out we're going to war for the all wrong reasons. Right. I yeah. mean, and you can you can attribute that to anything from, you know, any other kind of like war movie. It really, it's kind of a different war movie, only it's war on the home front. Right. Yeah. And you, it's wrapped in with all these other superhero movies, but these are not superhero movies, right? And to take them and to and to say, I looked at all these things and they're all just these kind of movies. They're kind of pandering to these crowds. These movies are not pandering to those crowds. Mm-hmm. The other ones are hitting certain tones because those characters, you know, have to follow, have to play within that world. Mm-hmm. And and when you look at Iron Man three, where you know Iron Man doesn't really play within that world, a lot of people kind of dismiss it. You know, like it's not really a good movie because it doesn't play within what they're expecting it to be. Right, right. And you know, you don't, you can't really change the the land the landscape that much. But we do see more of a changing landscape in the Marvel movies as we've expanded what to expect from these movies. Right. And we're changing the audience's expectations as well. Right. And and, and that's you know you you mentioned like character development several times, and that a big criticism is like that the character development isn't going the way they're expecting. But you know that's the thing. It's like. You're not going to have character development within the span of a single movie in this situation because that's not how they're planning it. You know, within a, if if it's a standalone hour and a half movie, yes, you're going to want to see like 
pretty significant character development within that hour and a half. Mm-hmm. But in a Marvel movie, it's like, this is this is the long game. Right. You're going to see significant character development over the course of ten years, but you're not going to see a very significant amount of character development within the span of a single two-hour movie. Uh, and I I think you access one. I think one of the big failings of a movie like Justice League mm-hmm. is that oh, you're not you're Justice not League, allowing man. it to develop the way it, it's not developing organically. Yeah, yeah. Know? They they really tried to force way too much out of Justice League in way too little time. Right. Um, and and I think they knew that it was just a cash grab. Right. I think they had to know. You know what? It took them ten years to do this. Let's do it in two movies, guys. <laughs> Yeah, and that's the thing. It's, it's a cash grab. It's like, and I think you need to separate superhero movies, genuine movies, where I'm trying to make a movie that happens to, that happens to involve superheroes from a cash grab. Yeah, yeah. And I don't like the fact that they're that they're they're targeting superhero movies, but then you're not targeting something like Fast and Furious movies, right? Right. Which are which are just as fantastical, you know, as any Marvel movie here. If, we got cars jumping, all, you know, yeah. jumping from one building to the next and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, if not more so, I think it's fair to say that that might be even more fantastical because you can have that suspension of disbelief where it's like, yes, some cosmic accident occurred to make these people exceptional. Right. Whereas in The Fast and the Furious, it's like, nope, they're just that awesome driving cars. I don't know. <laughs> And and, and fell into a well and eyes go crossed. Mule kicks her in the head. They go uncrossed. I don't know what to tell you, Clark. Right? Yeah. yeah I'm like what? How does that, <laughs> how's that work? And then, but I, I also didn't see that same kind of like dismissiveness being applied to like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And if we look at the, and I'm gonna just, I'm just gonna focus on the Marvel franchise here. We look at the Marvel franchise and the movies there. We look at them, and they have overall positive reviews. From fans and critics say these are good movies. Yeah, you know, they're yeah. they're fairly solid. Yeah, this one may not be this, this may not be that or whatever, but they're good. You can't say that among the Star Wars franchise no. from like the past like <laughs> like ten or let's say nine movies that have been made, right? Yeah. From the prequels through like um uh Rogue One to Solo to like these other like three to, yeah, to right? the new trilogy, to the sequel trilogy, I think is the official name right. for them. I guess that's that's what, eight movies? Um, but, uh, I mean, I like Rogue One, uh, and I appreciate the prequels. I will say that they're not great movies, but I appreciate them for a completely different reason than, you know, most people would <laughs> Are say you do. an angel? <laughs> yeah, there's always that. <laughs> um, and then Solo is garbage, and I just can't, I can't, I, 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 I have no interest in watching Rise of Skywalker because I, I hated the other two movies. Be racist. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I still haven't seen Rise of Skywalker, but, and like, I've, I've heard a lot of people say it's really good. But then I've also seen some spoilers just, like, through memes, because, you know, that's what happens when you fly too close to the sun on the internet. And it's like, just based off of those spoilers, it's like, this sounds like it's going to suck. Yeah, I mean, the, the any any kind of knowledge you want to you want to learn on the internet is, is really is really kind of an Icarus story. Yeah, like, it's yeah. like, I, I don't want to get too close to it, because I know what's going to happen. <laughs> um, but See also Shy Boys. But you're, but you're not, you're not calling them the cash grabs with that they are. Because right, that's really right. what they are. They are straight up cash grabs. Oh yeah, there was like um, no other reason for the solo movie. Right, and and it got it so awful. Yeah, and and you can tell that that was nothing but a cash grab because what story did they go into? The Kessel Run. Right. Of course. When that, that whole thing makes no sense. I, and I, I'm not I'm not going to start yeah, yeah, tearing no, into that. Yeah, because we're you, we're over time anyway. You 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 <laughs> hire you hire two guys who are known for making comedies and be like, wait a minute, you guys are going to make a comedy. Well, yeah, that's what we do. And I mean, granted, granted, you have some chance sometimes where like a person that's known for one thing does something different. And a uh, prime example of that is, um, 
uh, Sanso Lambs, right? It's like, yeah. we don't really kind of want to hire this guy because we're trying to make, you know, this dramatic, like, you know, thriller here, and that's not what he's known for. But he's like, but he comes on board saying, oh, I want to make a dramatic thriller. Right, right. right. Bam. There's a big difference there as opposed to like, oh, yeah, here we go. We're going to write this movie. We're going to do this thing. And like, and they're like, well, we didn't know what you're making. Well, you should have asked then. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, like, did you guys not approve the script? Uh, but anyway, so. So you're 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 pinning a lot on these movies, but you're not looking to me. You're not looking at it objectively to be able to say, where, where's the heart in these movies? Where's the story? You're just looking at them and say, oh, okay, well, they're tagged with a superhero like you know tagline or headline, mm-hmm. and then I'm just going to lump them all together. And you can't lump them all together. You have to treat them just like everything else. You have to take them just like like westerns back in the day. Not every western is good, and I hated westerns for the longest time. I was like, I don't want to watch a fucking western. Because my mind of Westerns with these guys in like, you know, the chaps and the sequin shirts and everything is like, let's go kill some Indians. Let's go rope some. Like they were boring. I'm like, that's not me. But the, one of the first movies I saw in the Western was the Long Riders. Mm-hmm. Walter Hill movie. Love the Long Riders. Now it's like, now it's like the only thing is like, oh yeah, I like, I don't like um, Westerns except for the Long Riders. Right, right. Then I watch Young Guns 2 and Young Guns. Okay. I don't like any, except for these three. Then I, then I watch Tombstone. Tombstone's a shit. Love me some Tombstone, right? <laughs> and and then I watched Appaloosa, you know, 310 to Yuma. And I'm like, wait a minute. My idea of what a of what a Western is mm-hmm. is not what a Western is. Western is a genre. Yeah. Western is not, you know, these old John Wayne movies and everything. <laughs> like Western uh, is a genre. It takes, room. It's a movie that takes place in the West that has people that, you know, carry guns and go to these old like you know dusty ass towns but you can tell any story you want mm-hmm. within that C- case in point being all those adaptations of the Kurosawa movies remade as westerns right it's like those are samurai stories those aren't cowboy stories they're samurai tales but they're done in the western genre right and so and I think that you you know when the reason that, that westerns I stopped, stopped being a thing was because one as the world changed you know you had more things to relate to, and then the whole Western thing was like it was so far removed. It's like I don't, I don't know that world anymore, and the stories you're trying to tell within that world don't make sense to me. Right, right. Yeah. But now you do see a slight resurgence in Western where you can make a Western now, and it brings people in. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not like the Lone Ranger, but yeah. other movies you can make a Western, and it brings people in because yeah. you're telling this, you're telling a story that just happens to take place in the old West. You're not telling a quote unquote Western. Right. Yeah. And I think it's the same way with these movies. Like I'm telling a story that happens to involve superheroes. I'm not telling a technically superhero story in the way that you're are used to seeing it or the way it's imagined in your head. Right. And I would think that someone like Martin Scorsese could recognize that and being in the industry could recognize the industry and separate those from what they are. And I guess the fact that he he isn't doing it or didn't do it or doesn't want to do it, that's kind of what hurts me the most about that comment. Yeah. It's it's, it's not going to stop me from watching The Irishman. It's not going to stop me from watching any of his other movies or loving them or recommending them in any way. But it's like, Knowing what I know about you, which is not to say I know him at all, right? But knowing what I know about you, I would expect more thought into that and looking at it as a whole and then looking at all these things you classify as superhero movies and saying, I can separate this piece of shit mm-hmm. from this movie. And I can also see how this movie is not the same as these others. And and I'm not really – and to say they're pandering for – for something or whatever because people keep predicting the superhero crash like eventually it's going to be superhero fatigue 
Um, not really. Because as long as you're making a good movie, there's not going to be a fatigue. Yes, some people will fall away, but those people were not the intended audience to begin with. Right. Those are the same people that we're having these debates and cons with that are saying like, oh, well, you know, this is what this character is about. No, it's not. You right, know shit right. about that character. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, I'm not going to come into your house and tell you that I know what fucking Twilight's about because one, <laughs> I don't, and two, I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, uh, but... It, it's kind of like the whole thing. We've, we've had so many debates with so many people on whether or not Jared Leto's a good joker. And it's like inevitably these people who are arguing with us are not comic book readers they're people who are saying oh it's Heath Ledger I've never even heard people like compare him negatively to Mark Hamill's take on the Joker it's always the Heath Ledger Joker right it's like why because that's your only exposure only other exposure to the Joker is Heath Ledger's take which Heath Ledger did a very good take but he's not Joker Prime he's just a very anarchistic interpretation of Mark Hamill's Joker and he's a he's a Joker that exists in that Christopher Nolan world where nothing else exists mm-hmm. except for Batman. Yeah, yeah, you know, and that's a big difference there too. As we're in Suicide Squad, it's different. And yeah. every once in a while, somebody want want to pull a Cesar Romero out their ass, and I'm like, yeah. I'm like, really? You 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 really don't have a leg to stand on here with Cesar Romero, right? right? It's like I could understand pulling Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson is a very tough act to follow, but Cesar Romero, come on. <laughs> I mean, I can't even take a Joker seriously who won't shave his mustache and puts makeup over his over his mustache, <laughs> which is clear. And this, like, so you're not, like, you're you're you really are just a buffoon. You're right, you're you're, yeah. you're a quote unquote clown. Right. Yeah. I mean, the only thing that makes you different from a regular clown is that you're actually entertaining, as with <laughs> they're just whacked out pieces of shit. <laughs> they're just creepy. God, the fuck fucking boy. hated clown. Um, but. But yeah, but you can't compare him in any way to anybody else. And you never see them compare Cesar Romero to Jack Nicholson, mm-hmm. to Mark Hamill, or to, to Heath Ledger. They only want to compare it, you know, to Jared Leto to kind of make a point where like, look, he's not even a real Joker. Right. Yeah, mama's a real Joker. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, like the, the example I always use is that, you know, Jared Leto is the Joker from the Dark Knight Returns graphic novel just with tattoos. Like if you remove his tattoos, he looks identical to the way he does in Dark Knight Returns. Oh, yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, that that's the version that he's doing. And, like, it, it's that level of insanity. Because, you know, in Dark Knight Returns, you have him, like, just randomly killing people at the carnival. It's like, that. that's the kind of Joker that they're doing. Of course he's not going to be Mark Hamill's Joker. Nobody can be Mark Hamill's Joker. And, of course, he's not going to be Heath Ledger's Joker because that was done for a very specific age and a very specific interpretation of anarchy. And I'm going to say this, and then um, let's take another break. Oh, I guess we'll, we'll wrap up. Yeah, yeah, part, can, part one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think we can. And then we'll do it. we'll do a nice little like conclusion to part two. Um, but I'm going to say this: for all those people out there that keep saying that, take your Heath Ledger Joker and you put him in Suicide Squad and see if he doesn't stand out like a <laughs> fucking sore thumb. Yeah, yeah, he would not work in that world at all. I mean, he stands out like Mr. McCraig, <laughs> especially who has a leg for an arm and an arm for a leg. Right, especially the way that he uh, would interact with Harley. Like Heath Ledger's Joker is not a Joker designed to work with Harley. With any kind of Harley Quinn. There is no Harley Quinn that Heath Ledger's Joker could interact with in any capacity. Because that's that's not that aspect of Joker's personality that he's trying to represent. Right. And I love Heath Ledger's Joker. But he is not the penultimate Joker Prime. He's just not. So, um, as, we're, as we're wrapping this up here... I went and I pulled a, a book off my shelf here, and I just want to show it to you because I don't think you've ever seen this. And maybe I did show it to you once, but I'm going to show you this. Okay. And um, and just to kind of wrap this up before we move on to to part two. So this is um, 
And now this is a really divisive book to bring up. The people are like, <laughs> what the fuck? You're going to use that to make your point with? But no, I'm not making my point with this book. I make my point with this image. Okay. So them looking at the Bat- uh, All-Star Batman and Robin by Frank Miller and Jim Lee. Mm-hmm. All right, and quiet down, quiet down, and quiet down. All right. Um, I, and- I like both of those names. So. <laughs> <laughs> and and I could, I'd have to do a whole separate podcast about this book itself and and what it is and it's good points and bad points and all that stuff. But what I'm going, what I'm pointing out to is um, issue eight. Look at this picture of the Joker there. Oh, the one on the right. Yeah, yeah. He's got tattoos. He's got that big ass red dragon tattoo he's, on his back. He's got that Ben Affleck back too. <laughs> I mean, but I mean, that's a pretty badass, scary picture of that's, the Joker. That's there. a great picture. I love that. Right. So. So when you look at Jared Leto's Joker, it reminded me of this one here, which is a pretty terrifying Joker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's phenomenal. And so it's, you know, you look at that and it's like, you know, you're talking about a, a, a Joker for a different world. And I and I always saw um, saw his Joker as, uh, saw Jared Leto's Joker as kind of more modeled after all-star um all-star batman and robin which some people say well that's your problem right there but no not not to say that he followed his mannerisms but just his look his right. look was modeled after that which in a sense is a pretty terrifying look yeah all right yeah i mean just uh, it, it, and we've talked about it on so many episodes now but it's just like that you know just they're they're all different takes they're all showing different elements of the joker's personality and yeah i'll, I'll debate jared leto being a good joker Till the end of time, he oh, yeah. he is objectively a good Joker, and you know all all the only argument I've ever heard people make is that you know he's got tattoos, he looks stupid. And it's like well, that's a bad argument. Yeah, he's like, yeah, I don't want some like some gang member Joker. He just looks like you know like I'm like that's not if this that's what your takeaway was it from then you weren't watching the movie, right? It's like until you can adequately compare like Mark Hamill and Heath Ledger and show how Heath Ledger is inferior to Mark Hamill, then don't don't try to come at me with all oh, tattoos make him bad. You know, that that's stupid. <laughs> and the thing is I don't compare my jokers to one another because each one is fitting a different thing. Mm-hmm. And they're fitting a, a you know the, a different part of what they're in as far as the you know as far as the uh the medium, the story that this telling, all that stuff. Each one is is you know is designed to fit and play within that world. You yeah. can't compare them and you can't swap them. Yeah, yeah. They they meet a different need at a different time. I'm telling you, you put Jack Nicholson's Joker in Batman 66, Batman and Robin are fucking dead. Oh, that would be <laughs> awesome. Oh my God, I would love that so much. Just imagine Jack Nicholson's Joker in Suicide Squad. That would be interesting, but you would not have a Harley Quinn. No, you wouldn't. I mean, like, you, you have to display certain vulnerabilities within the Joker and certain... Like, certain, like, more psychopathic abusive tendencies in the Joker that a lot of those takes on him can't display in order for him to adequately interact with Harley Quinn. Yep. It's like, it it has to display both his abusive nature and some of the vulnerabilities within his nature. And, like, yeah, there's just, there's absolutely no way that, like, Nicholson or or Ledger could have done that at all. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll go ahead and we'll we'll stop here and we'll, uh, we'll pick back up. And uh, and kind of bring this thing to a conclusion because I still want to I still want to I mentioned Jodie Foster so I don't want to just toss her name out there and then not talk about her right right Um, okay so part two we will focus on Jodie Foster uh, yeah in 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 some in some fashion (laughs) does she have a candle Uh, I don't think so you know I don't feel the same way about Jodie Foster that I feel about uh, about Gwyneth Paltrow even though I will say Jodie Foster is so a 
adorably cute in uh in Maverick with uh with uh, Bruce uh not Bruce Willis with Mel Gibson hmm. um and and James Garner she is just oh she's yeah she she makes me smile her her character in Maverick is so well done and she's she's so adorable <laughs> Anyway, yeah, so hey, thanks for giving us a listen, people. I know that, like, you probably don't agree with everything we said, but... Uh, <laughs> I doubt these people agree with much of what we say. They yeah. just listen to me like, oh my god, these guys are crazy. <laughs> what are they going to say to piss me off today? But, uh, but yeah, no, um, you know, I, I think I think you did drive home a pretty good point. That, you know, this, this isn't like us saying that we, like, don't respect Scorsese. It's just saying that, you know, we really don't think he's looking at superhero movies in the right way. And that he's trying to use, like, catch-all terminology for something that, like, is really just, like, grossly in- inaccurate to to what Marvel has been doing with their films. And and, and I think if, if you want to, if you want to apply that, that, uh, you know, that kind of statement to them, I, I would, I would, I would like for, I would have liked for him to say, you know, some movies or the ones I've seen here. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, but him say, I can't watch him, you know, I've tried to watch him and they're all just bad. They're not this. I'm like, oh, cause I, I, cause I know Martin Scorsese is some bad movies. I'm, I'm pretty sure that he's got some guilty pleasure movies on his shelf, you know, that he's just like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, uh, this isn't great, but, yeah. you know, I, I, I do love it. And, <laughs> and if I probably feel bad about, you know, as, as a, as a director, I probably should feel bad about liking it so much, but right. I do. And if you don't have that, then I don't think you're appreciating movies for what they can be, you know? Like, you don't have to have a stick up your ass about movies. Every once in a while, you just need to look at, like, a schlocky Nick Cage film and just enjoy it for what it is. You know, they don't have to all be like these, <laughs> quite, quiet, let me adjust my monocle, you know, pieces of art. <laughs> you, you don't need that all the time, so. But yeah, no, we'll we'll be back and we will uh, discuss a little bit more in part two. Thanks, all. Later. To be continued. All right, there, folks. That was our moms think we're funny. Let's uh, let's give them a hand. <laughs>